This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified Profiting From Your Passions coach, Kate Bessler. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and this week my guest is client generation expert and international speaker, Mary Kravitz. Mary helps entrepreneurs significantly grow their businesses without working nights and weekends. Using her methods, the majority of her clients quickly increase their income 50 to 100%. Clients include the former CFO of Microsoft North America, thought leaders in the coaching industry, and rising stars in a variety of other professions, including doctors, lawyers, consultants, graphic designers, and CPAs. Mary is also an avid roller coaster enthusiast and a kayaking volunteer for a wildlife protection program in Morrow Bay. Welcome, Mary. Thanks so much for having me, Kate. Let's go back to the beginning. What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I wanted to be an astronaut until I found out that you first had to be an engineer. And then I wanted to be a judge until I found out that you first had to be a lawyer. And then I wanted to be an orchestra conductor until I found out you first had to become a musician. (laughs) All those darn interim steps. Dang it. (laughs) You did have a corporate career. Tell me about that. Yes. uh, I came out of college. I I, uh, I wanted to, I was going to save the world. And so I actually only applied for nonprofits out of, out of college. I was hired and then within three months laid off by a homeless coalition coalition in San Jose. So um, I immediately found out the value of having uh, income, mm. which I couldn't understand before um, to the, to the extent that you learn when you go out on your own and have to pay all of your own bills. And so I ended up in um, the recruiting, um, in recruiting for working for manpower. And then I got into, I ended up taking administrative positions where I was organizing other people, managing facilities, supporting executives. Um, And that was mostly within the telecom industry, which was kind of interesting. Silicon Valley is the place where technology is, you know, just really moving. Um, Mm -hmm. And I honestly... I was pretty much asleep. I didn't know anything about anything beyond working. Like you get a job, you get your paycheck, you have your weekends off. I didn't know about personal growth. I didn't know about, sure didn't know about entrepreneurship. And looking back on that time, it just felt like I was, I was literally literally punching the clock. Mm -hmm. As many people do. So what made you, what, what awakened you? What made you decide to be an entrepreneur? <laughs> well, it kind of happened accidentally. Um, through a series of events, my husband and I decided we had to get out of Silicon Valley. It was incredibly expensive, chaotic, crowded 
snobby <laughs> about <laughs> it, it being the center of the world and you just have to put up with the downsides, we decided to move to Sedona, Arizona. We had a friend oh. who lived there. Yes, it's gorgeous. And it was very affordable. Uh, we were able to buy a house right away. And as I went over there to uh, apply for jobs, similar jobs to what I was doing, I found one, there weren't a lot of them. And two, that even though the cost of living was about a third, the, uh, the, the salaries were about or less than half what I was used to too. So it was kind of a rude awakening. Um, and one of the jobs I applied to was a real estate assistant. And they said, you got to get your real estate license. I was like, okay, let's go do that. And I did two weeks straight in real estate school. And halfway through, I thought, you know what? I think I could do this. I think I could go out on my own or, you know, and be a realtor. And so I declined my final interview because I knew if they offered me the job, it would be harder to say no. And I became a realtor. Now, the problem was is that I thought that people were going to buy houses from my office like people buy McDonald's hamburgers. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, they just walk in and yep. hand you money. <laughs> exactly. Correct. And that the real challenge would be the contracts and with all that. I had no idea. I just stepped into business ownership. Mm-hmm. So in addition to real estate, um, you were also in direct sales. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. And with both of those, and maybe there's more, I don't know if there's more than just those two. Tell me about that too. But why did you ultimately, um, what made you ultimately decide it was time for a change out of each one of those successive entrepreneurial ventures? You know, looking back, it's pretty clear that I was looking to more clearly and deeply align with my values. At the time, I couldn't articulate that. When I was in real estate, I liked it, but I didn't love it. There wasn't a real heart behind it. It was just like, okay, this gives me freedom. It got me introduced to the idea of coaching and training and personal development. So it's a profound, a profoundly important step on my journey. But I moved out of that because I thought, you know what, I want to do something different. And I encountered a direct sales company that was founded by kind of a hero of mine, uh, Anita Roddick, who founded The Body Shop. It was a very um, values-driven beauty care um, line. And I did home parties for a couple of years. Um, that, I loved the passion behind it. I loved the girliness of it. Um, I just couldn't seem to crack the income that I wanted to make. And I wanted something that was mine. I was still selling somebody else's stuff. And I was starting to understand that I had a need to create something that was truly my own. And so from there, I progressed on to doing virtual assistance work. Because now we're talking about a time frame of about the recession. And I, I needed to do something differently. But it couldn't be anything that had massive startup costs. So luckily, with my administrative background and a laptop... And a brief mention to my, uh, my sphere of influence, uh, I had clients right away from that. And this is where, like, I think one of the most important things happened for me, and I've seen other people go through this was, as well. You may relate to this. So here I am. Uh, I was a virtual assistant. I was doing administrative tasks because it was so easy for me, and I was charging $35, $40 an hour for my time. And what happened was I began to discover what I was really great at, but I didn't know. 
I would go to these entrepreneurs, they'd hire me and they'd lay out their business and they say, I would like you to do this thing because I want this result. And I'd say, okay, Mrs. Entrepreneur, you say you want me to do this thing and get this result, but if you don't do these other pieces that I identified in their business, you're not going to get that result no matter how much I do this thing for you. Mm. And they basically nicely said, shut up, you're the assistant, <laughs> do what I tell you. And I was like, I don't, you know, I'm getting paid when I'm paid and they run their business. They must know. And time and time and time again, I found it that my insights were what could have turned things around and they didn't listen to me. So basically it was an uncovering of what I didn't know I knew that other people didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> yeah. But I could never have had visibility to any of that if I hadn't gone through that whole, that whole experience. So eventually, a year and a half, almost two years down the road, I trudge into a women's networking meeting, a women's business owners meeting. And I almost didn't go. I sat down. And in the middle of the talk, our speaker said something that was branded into me. And he said, the majority of the unhappiness in the world is people settling for what is passable instead of reaching for what is possible. Mm. In my mind, I quit my business and I said, I am a business coach. Like in my mind, I was like, I'm making that step. And there was a whole lot of mind garbage, like who the hell do you think you are? That kind of stuff. But um, that was the journey. That's how I got to here. Mm. So a couple of years ago, things must have been really, really rocking because you were diagnosed with extreme adrenal exhaustion. (laughs) Yes, that was also quite fun. (laughs) What are the symptoms of that? Like, how did you know something was really wrong? Well, first of all, it was about five years ago. So I probably need to update the timeline on my, my website of when all this happened. But what I actually didn't know there was something wrong. Um, I was going to an acupuncturist and she, she was like, you know, you're, you're kind of fatigued and I'd had some thyroid issues and so forth. And she said, let's do a mineral hair analysis and just see what's going on with you. Now at the time I didn't feel any more fatigued or tired than I thought was normal because I was, I was running on coffee and recognition and achievement and running late. So getting the adrenal like hit of running late and things like that. So I was running on all these false sources of energy, but didn't know it. I didn't know there was anything else. So I acupuncturist did the mineral hair analysis and she's like, how are you upright? (laughs) And so it was, she said to me, okay, you've got adrenal exhaustion. We got to do these things. We got to get your minerals and we got to get your rest and you got to get off sugar and caffeine. And she just started rattling all this stuff. And all I heard was, you need to take some time off. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. And I thought, I'll just hang out for a couple of weeks, relax, chill. Basically a doctor is telling me to do it. So I have to, I have a note. <laughs> that's the only way I'll give myself an excuse to take a break. And what was really remarkable is about 10 days in after cutting out sugar, cutting out the push, push, push and the caffeine and everything. I was laying sideways on my couch because I was too tired to sit upright. I was watching 
episode after episode of America's Next Top Model and just going, oh my God, this is like my resting natural energy level. I am in trouble. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So your reaction of, oh, thank God, I get to take some time <laughs> off, so is probably not what most people would think when, when um, diagnosed with something like that. But I suppose if you are just exhausted, which, you know, obviously extreme adrenal exhaustion, um, you probably were just a, pushing a little too hard. And, and to have that reaction of, wow, I get to take a rest. Um, tell me what your life was like was, before this diagnosis. It was pretty crazy. Um, I was running in every direction. I was a couple years into my business. So I was like figuring things out. I was still testing things out, but I was really the, I was the embodiment of more is better. Like do more, take on more options, take on, make more exceptions for clients. Um, and it was just, it was very, it was very hectic and not uncommon to what I see happening in the world. Um, I was, I was just going in a million different directions, trying to fi figure out what is that thing, what is that thing that works to bring in clients. Now, the good thing is, is that I clearly understood that my job was to bring in clients. Like that was, there are a lot of entrepreneurs who I don't think are um, lucky enough to have to make money. <laughs> like they have someone else supporting them or whatever. And I knew I had to make money. So I was very clear I had to get clients, but my way of going about it was frenetic. Um, and, and just, yeah, over the top, exhausting, but again, I didn't know it. And by the way, just a tip for people, anyone who's listening is that if you think of getting a headache and having to go to bed or maybe getting a cold for a week or like, oh, what if I hurt my ankle and I had to rest? And any of those thoughts are kind of like a fantasy or a daydream or like, oh my gosh, that would be awesome. That is a very good sign that you are either seriously needing a break and you better give it to yourself or it will be handed to you. I promise you. Um, or you might actually already be in that exhaustion phase and you, you need to get checked out because it, when you have that reaction, it is your body and your mind trying to get to you to wake up. Absolutely. You know, I actually had a similar experience when I was very young, actually, I was probably 18 or 19 and uh, I had appendicitis and I ended up in the hospital, and I, I remember thinking, oh, this is so nice. All I have to do is lay here and watch TV, and, and there's nothing else to do. And it was, I knew as soon as I was thinking that, I'm like, oh, man, something in my life has got to change, because that is not good yeah. <laughs> when you're thinking that way. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. Appendicitis. Yes, same thing. Same thing. So being diagnosed with an illness is a big wake-up call. It's sort of a two-by-four upside-the-head indication that something does have to change in your life. As you were laying on the couch watching America's Top Model, did you realize that? Or, or did it take a while for you to think, you know, I just really need to change the way I'm living my life? I think it came in stages, and part of it, was because I was so exhausted, like the realization, it, it didn't come, 
it didn't come clearly. It didn't come in a linear fashion. <laughs> it was, it was definitely uh, an unfolding and an unveiling. The first thing that occurred to me was that I have to not lose my business because I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was paying the bills and I knew I couldn't afford to lose that. So my first thought was how do I, how do I keep this going with a minimum of effort? And that one thought, how do I get the most results out of the least effort is actually the, like the cornerstone of my business and everything I teach today. So what I didn't know was that that was the seed of everything. How do I get the most results with the least effort? Yeah. So how do you help people? How did you help yourself? And then how do you now help other people essentially do less and achieve more, if that's the right terminology. Yeah. Yeah. Where I started was, um, and, and I'm actually shocked that I had the presence of mind to, to be able to do some of this evaluation um, when I was sick. I had about, I, I always say about four hours of energy a week to devote to my business. And so what I did was I said, okay, what's working? Like everything else has to be cut out. What has actually brought clients to me? And there, I think at the time there were two things. It was referrals and my e-newsletter. I was like, okay, so we keep doing that. Now, how do I do all of that in the least amount of time? Okay, I repurpose other people's material rather than trying to be creative in my e-newsletters. Uh, and just like for the survival time, it was like how it wasn't even very strategic. It was totally about maintenance. How do I stay visible how do I not look like I fell off the radar? Because people, when, like, if someone's thinking about hiring you and you go, oh, wow, you know, I'm going on a three-month vacation, they're on to the next person. Hmm. Or if you say, you know what, I'm really sick and they actually care about you, they are not going to hire you because they care and they don't want to exhaust you further. So the first part was really that uncovering what's working. And that's been a mantra for myself and my clients. It's like, stop asking what else can I do? And instead ask what's working. Focus on what's working instead of asking what else, what else, what else? That was my, that was my error. Hmm. And what happened from that is really, I, I started to, to get clients and it wasn't an avalanche, but it was more like that, you know, you plant a seed and in 30 days it grows and you plant a seed and you plant a seed and you plant a seed and just not making a big drama about planting those seeds, making it very clear what those seeds were, what were those activities and then giving it space. And luckily I was all about giving things space because I didn't have energy to do anything else. <laughs> so um, I think I did a lot of letting go in that, in that time frame that actually really served my business. So what started out as sort of a survival mechanism turned into the actual business and the, the method that you teach your clients today. It absolutely is. And I had no grand ideas that that's what would happen at all. Um, and it definitely is much like what I teach today is definitely more, um, more involved. There's more pieces to it. It's more well thought out, obviously, um, than the survival mechanism that it was at the, at the beginning. But the idea is the same. It's like, if you are going to get the most results out of the least effort, 
you have to be so in, there's two keys to it in my mind. You have to be completely intentional. You have to be like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it connects with everything else. This is the strategy behind it. This is how it connects to what I want to do. Here's what to do, where to go and what to say. Just absolutely intentional and clear because the more intentional you are and it, and strategic, the less you have to do. I mean, it's just, it's just logical. And the other piece is you absolutely have to value what you do. And that means charge appropriately because it doesn't matter how strategic you are, how intentional you are. If you're charging $40 an hour for your expertise, when your industry is charging 200 or a thousand or 5,000, you're, you're going to not make it mm-hmm. and not be happy with it. So give me some client success stories. Like how have you helped people be intentional and what have been the results? Okay, sure. Well, first, the first part of it is looking at, okay, how do I explain this? There's six areas in client generation. So really what we do is focus on client generation. We, and I work mostly, or I work entirely with people who are in service-based businesses, like coaches, consultants, um, accountants, doctors, lawyers, like that. When it comes to client generation, looking at six areas, being very intentional about them and getting them all working together is the key. And it's setting up your values, what I call your values-driven profit plan. So making sure your whole business foundation is right, understanding your values, your vision, what you charge, and making sure they all create a business that you actually like and that pays you enough. So that's number one. Number two is your marketing plan. It's like, what do you do to get clients? What actions do you take that connect you to client, paying clients? Third thing is understanding who your ideal client is so you can go where they gather in high concentration. Where you, when you go where they are in high concentration, then you're not going to 70 different places. You can go to two or three and be very intentional. The fourth part is the magnetic messaging. You have to know what your client's thinking so that when you introduce yourself, when they show up on your website, you're speaking their language and they're going, oh my gosh. I need you. And that's one thing that like, it really speeds up the sales process. So instead of like you meet someone and then you chat for a while and then you say, let's go to coffee. And then you see them again at a networking event. And then six months later, they finally go, oh my gosh, I think I understand what you do. I'd like to hire you. If your messaging is right, an ideal client on a first handshake should be able to know that you're the right person for them. That again, very intentional. So there's the messaging, that's number four. Number five is your sales process. You have to have that really clarified. And then number six is time management. So that's the whole client generation thing. And it's, it's getting intentional, specific, um, and strategic in each area. The great thing about this, the thing I love about this, Kate, is it's not do it my way. Okay, Kate, we're going to plug you into Mary's system and you do it like Mary. So you're Mary 2.0. And then we're going to check, plug Jane in. And then we're going to plug Susan in and John in. What it does instead is it gives a structure. So I go, okay, Kate, you bring everything that you are brilliant at, all your brilliance, all your strengths, all your preferences, and then you apply all that to the system. You bring in what you know about your ideal client. Here's how you discover more about your ideal client. So everybody's plan comes out looking a bit different mm-hmm. because it has to. Otherwise, right, it has to. I, I mean, otherwise you just feel like crammed into a mold and you've probably taken programs like that. I have. 
where it's like, okay, I don't care what size you are. We're, we're cramming you into the star cookie cutter mold and we're cramming everybody. I don't care what you want. This is what you do. And it doesn't feel right. 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 And if it doesn't feel right, then it's obviously not going to work for you. And it's not in alignment with what you want from your business. Right. And it total. and I think the biggest loss in programs like that is that it ignores what you could easily leverage that you bring to the table. I was like, why wouldn't you start there? That doesn't even make sense to me. Right. And in fact, the whole, you know, the whole point of starting your business and doing what you do is because you have something special to leverage that you can bring to people. And so if you try to ignore that and, you know, stick yourself into a cookie cutter mold, then, um, yeah, you're, it's probably, it might work for a little while or in certain circumstances, but it's probably ultimately not going to, not going to feel good. No. Yeah. No, it isn't. And my clients, so you asked for some examples. And um, so just applying a couple of principles, I've got a client in in um, Kansas City, Kansas, Lynn, she's a coach, she's been a coach for a while. And we really looked at her, like, where do her clients gather in high concentration, we figured out Actually, the golf industry was a really great place for her. And she identified a trade show to go to. And we worked on her introduction. Like when someone says, what do you do? What is your answer to that? Because the goal is to, if your ideal client is standing in front of you, your introduction, when you give it to them, they say, I need that. It's very possible. It's very doable. And that's the goal always. So she goes to, Lynn went to this trade show and she walked around, talked to people, walked out with 10 leads. We're like good client leads. And she didn't have a booth mm. at the trade show. But that's, I think that's just, I love that example of being really intentional. And she was so happy there too. That was another part of it is she loved being in that industry. I think that's an important element. Yeah, Absolutely. So using your methods leaves you more time for other exciting activities. Yes. You are a roller coaster enthusiast. <laughs> yes. What is your favorite one that you've been on and what's on your bucket list? Okay, so um, I'm a card-carrying Six Flags year pass uh, or season's pass holder. So that's, that's good. I can go to Six Flags all over the United States. Um, so far, I think I've only been to two, but my favorite, oh, my favorite roller coaster, that's a tough one. Six Flags in Valencia, California. I, I love, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name. Um, it's one that you feel like you're flying on it. Oh. Yeah. So you're kind of like harnessed. So you're facing their ground. It's awesome. And then the other one I really love is X2. And it is like you're spinning and you're going up and down. It's just the craziest roller. Oh, it, roller coaster. Oh, and the other one is called Tatsu. That's my other favorite one. <laughs> um, and then there's one that they just opened in Knott's Berry Farm, which is also in Southern California. So I can get to pretty easily. Um, but it's like, it's beyond, I think it almost inverts. Ver it's not, it's more than vertical. It's like a steeper angle than vertical. I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, and here's one of the, the reason I love roller coasters. There's actually madness to my method because my brain is going 24-7. 
Okay. And so I need complicated activities in my life or like overwhelming activities to kind of quiet it down. Now I do meditate and that helps, but roller coasters are such an overwhelming, um, there's so much stimulus that it's like my mind just relaxes when I go on roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the first time I've ever heard of roller coasters being sort of a mind clearing exercise, but you know, whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's for everybody. <laughs> so tell me about the Morrow Bay and the wildlife protection program that you're a part of. So it's called the Sea Life Stewards, and in Morro Bay, it's a marine protected area, so it's called an MPA, and they are, um, the organization I work with is associated with the state parks, and the area we're in, it's very unique, a um, lot of marine mammals, a very interesting um, ecosystem, and what they found was that having people out on the water in kayaks, because we get a lot of tourists, a lot of tourists in kayaks, on paddle boards, and they don't always understand how, how far you should get away from the marine life. And so we got educated about it. Uh, my husband and I do this uh, together. So when I say we, that's what I'm referring to. <laughs> um, and so we'll go out there for a couple of hours uh, and just talk with with the tourists hey did you know that if an otter is looking at you you're probably too close and here's why they need the rest and things like that and it's just again it's relaxing it's also um, physical activity which I need to always be keeping my eye on is making sure that's incorporated and actually if you would like a really good laugh my latest um, addition to my unusual physical activity <laughs> My friend said, let's go to a hip hop class. And I was like, cool, that sounds awesome. Let's go do that. Well, here's the punchline. I show up to this hip hop class and the woman at the desk says, oh, are you here for the break dancing class? <laughs> I was like, I most certainly am not. <laughs> but I, I did the class and I actually, I love it. So now I'm taking break dancing classes. <laughs> awesome. Well, you are an adventurous spirit, Mary. <laughs> well, you know what? I, 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 I am kind of, but I also know that the only reason why I'm doing these things is because I know, I know I need other influences in my life. I need to be doing other things and just going out and trying to find a hike on my own or a pretty place to walk. It's not going to work for me. I need structure. I need a dance class at nine. I need an aerial silks class at 5.30. I need a kayaking shift on Saturday at 9 a.m. And, and it's this, this structured, again, that word intentional, putting things other than work on my calendar has been, and I've only started doing this literally like in the last two and a half years since I moved to California. Um, it's made a world of difference. And actually one of the things that, that happened for me about two and a half years ago is I realized I was still, I was still like hoarding my energy. I was still worried about expending too much energy. So I was not socializing. I was not doing physical activity. I was like 
and it took me a while to realize that I was still operating from this place of fear of I'm still sick. Mm. And that's when I started moving into putting these specific things into my calendar so that I started to challenge that notion of, I don't have enough energy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and I, I just love this silly stuff. I love the break dancing. I mean, I'm in there with 17 year olds and it's like, yes. And they have to modify everything. And I'm like, Oh, thank you for modifying this move to go with my Walker. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I feel ancient, but, uh, but it's, it's so fun. Well, kudos to you for, for getting in there. I'm sure they respect that. Oh, they may or they may not, but I'm having a blast and that's the bottom line. That is the important thing. So we're at that point in the show where I have to ask you, what is one book or resource that changed your life that you would recommend to people? The book I go back to, okay, so for, I will preface this with, I don't like repeating things. So I don't want to read a book a second time. I don't want to do anything a second time. I want it new, 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 new. I love variety. So the fact that I go back to a book and I have gone back to a book over and over for about 10 years is a big deal in my world, just how I'm built. Um, So with this recommendation, I want to put a lot of weight behind it. Um, But the book I go back to is called The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Mm. It is a very short read if you choose to read it, but my recommendation is get it on audio. This book was written back in, I want to say the 30s, possibly the 20s. Earl Nightingale recorded it, so it was on a phonograph at the time, Um, and he has just this wonderful, wonderful voice. Um, And anytime I've got my head up (laughs) my backside I put on that audio it's like 28 minutes and every time I hear something that pulls me out of whatever I'm going through whatever drama I've created or whatever fear that is cropping up Um, and it's like a it's like a chameleon book it always just blends it always becomes what I need hmm I have some of Earl Nightingale's recordings. I think they're on cassette tape, so I'm not sure I even have the ability to play them anymore, but uh, I'm going to have to dig those out and see if I can uh, figure out a way to listen to them. Technology. Mm -hmm. And his book, it's actually on Audible, too, so you can download it. Ah, perfect. Mary, what does success mean to you personally? How do you define your authentic first-class life? Success for me is a very broad definition. Actually, it's it's freedom, very broadly defined. And I've had a really interesting experience this year on exploring the edges of freedom. So freedom to me is like the freedom to have extraordinary choices, unlimited. So I can have the freedom of time. I have the freedom of location. I have the freedom of freedom from financial worry. It's not always freedom to travel to Singapore and back first class, 
<laughs> but it's the freedom to be able to create from a place of not worrying about the bills next month. Mm-hmm. My business is built on freedom because my number one priority is my family. And they may not always see that, like my parents who are getting older and my nieces and nephews who are growing up fast. But my number one priority is to be able to be there at the important points in their life and never have to sacrifice a single one of them. Not, not ever. And sometimes that means when I visit them for just a casual visit, I take a client meeting. Because I can, because I'm traveling and I can do what I do wherever I am. So sometimes they're like, Mary, why do you work while you're here? It's like, so I can, it's because it's so I can be here at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not something I talk about a lot, actually. Most people don't know that. Hmm. Well, thanks for sharing it. It's entirely for my family. Well, if people want to find out more about you and your work, how can they do that? There's two really easy ways to do it. Um, Number one is my website, simplygetclients.com. And there are a lot of resources. There's blogs. There's free resources. I have a free and almost free page on there. (laughs) I have a page where all the podcasts and articles that have been included in are. So that's one thing. If if, If you like to explore and dig through stuff, great place to go. A lot of stuff there. However, if you kind of like to be spoon fed some, some great business education and just a little more of an introduction to who I am, uh, I set up a site called more clients, less marketing. Cause I find a lot of people want clients, but don't love to market. So mm-hmm. more clients, less marketing.com. And you'll, it's, there are some tweaks happening to it, but what will be there very shortly is a quick intro video. And then if you'd like the resources you opt in, you're just immediately brought to them. Um, It will include a training webinar on how to simplify your client generation. Um, That is a, it's a deep dive, tons of value. Um, And also I do an explainer video with a walkthrough on how I actually work with people. So it's, there's two ways to learn from it. It's the content, great content, but there's also context. Um, I learn from the way, Kate, from the way you do business. I learn from the way I I watch a webinar and I look at the way people structure it. And so I I invite you to learn contextually from the way I set this up for my business and feel free to to emulate any part of it that that works for you. What's next for Mary Kravitz? Uh, What's next is I have closed the door firmly on um, online marketing. Uh, sorry, online marketing client generation systems. I got burned very badly. Uh, no, I don't want to say it was burned badly. That's not accurate. I, I chose to go in that direction and it was the wrong direction this year. It took a lot of my focus, a lot of my time uh, and quite, quite an investment of my money. And I came back to the principle I mentioned earlier. It's like, don't ask what else, ask what works. And what works for me is speaking. So upcoming in the next year, I'm on bigger stages, so conferences. um, And that's really where I need to be. That's where I'm alive. That's where I'm connecting. That's where I'm serving at the highest level. That's where I generate clients. It's like it hits all of the, hits all of the, the high points. And I don't know what made me think that I needed to turn in another direction. Um, I, and I mentioned that because I think it's important 
for Kate, people who are in the public eye, like you, like me, to be able to say, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. We make missteps and it's what we do afterwards. And it's what, you know, listeners, whatever you do after the misstep happens, that's, that's where you really show what you're made of. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to listen to our own advice and, oh, and remember to walk the talk, right? <laughs> And, and I was absolutely convinced that this was the next level in the business. You want to go from 200,000 to 500,000, you obviously have to get your online marketing funnel. And I just found that to be such a load of garbage. <laughs> but I needed to spend $10,000 to figure that out. So uh, that was my business coaching for the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. See, you know, it's you know, like you said, it's not all, we're not all perfect. And there's missteps along the way and you zig and you zag and, you know, eventually you get to where you're supposed to be, right? But it's all learning lesson along the way. Yeah. The universal two by four, I think you said something mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, Mary Kravitz, client generation expert and international speaker, thank you so much for your time today. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me here today, Kate. Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. What would it take for you to slow down and reconsider the path you're on? If the thought of being told to slow down and take it easy, doctor's orders, feels like a relief to you, I think you know that something's got to give. Hopefully it won't be your health. We can easily get caught up in the whirlwind of work and life and find ourselves overcommitted and exhausted. But what Mary discovered is that sometimes we can achieve more by doing less. There are studies that show that working longer does not make us more productive, that we get tired after a while and our productivity suffers. But as a culture, we still take pride in wearing ourselves out in commitment to a cause. Maybe you've heard Elon Musk lately talk about staying all night at the factory, going without sleep and all that. He doesn't say it for sympathy. He tells us that so we can admire his commitment to his company. But guess what? We're also seeing how all that lack of sleep can lead to some serious unraveling and potentially damaging mistakes. It comes back to a theme that you've heard a lot if you've been paying attention. You need to take care of you. And if you are well taken care of, your business and life will fall into line. Don't let yourself get to the point of extreme adrenal failure before you consider incorporating Mary's do less, achieve more philosophy. Another point she made is that she realized she was doing one job, that there were things she was doing outside of the scope of that job that she was really, really good at. And then she had the courage to stand up for that and make her business all about that. It sure beats drudging through the day doing the work that you may be good at, but that doesn't tap into your true potential. Like Mary, your gifts could be important to people who need you to share them. And of course, the last point, that her priorities are freedom and family. Mary had to redefine success for herself so she could lead the authentic first-class life she deserved and desired. If you have something to add to the conversation, 
please leave a comment on my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. Follow the show to be notified of upcoming episodes and please tell your friends. What's your story? If you'd like to share it on this podcast to inspire others, please click on the link at the bottom of the show page and fill out the survey. If it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. This week's quote comes from author Katrina Kennison and speaks to why it's important to take some time for yourself and just be quiet. Solitude is the soul's holiday, an opportunity to stop doing for others and to surprise and delight ourselves instead. In solitude, we discover what makes us feel alive. I hope you'll join me next week for another inspiring episode. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.